in like six weeks, five, six weeks, Easter is coming. This is a great start to that of just declaring, Hosanna, you are the God who saves. Uh, and what a great reminder that that is the God who actually goes way before us. Uh, this weekend's been an interesting weekend for me, uh, watching what's going on in Ukraine and praying for our friends and neighbors there. On Friday night, I had the opportunity in Edmonton to speak to a, a group of uh, Alberta Baptist Association students. I don't speak to students like I used to, so that was a lot of fear attached to that one. A couple hundred students thinking, who's this 50-year-old talking to them? Uh, and then on Saturday, I spoke to uh, a thousand pastors across Canada in something that I do every year. Uh, normally, I'm live in Toronto, physically there, but the last two years, because of COVID, we've done it by Zoom, so nothing like talking to a screen where you don't really see what anybody else is doing. Everybody could be sleeping, for all I knew. So, I am glad to be here with you today. We're going to talk about getting out of the boat. For us, really, the end is going to be pretty simple. When I am ready to leave, I'm going to ask you, like, do you want to keep your life jacket on? Do you want to kind of put your hand in the water beside the boat? Or do you actually want to walk on water like Jesus commands us to? And so we're going to look at it from our own life, but we're also going to look at it from our church's life, like daybreak. We can comfortably sit in the boat. We could probably exist for decades just kind of hanging out in the boat. Or do we really want to be what God calls us to be? So let's pray, and then we're going to walk this journey. God, in the next few minutes, may your words be my words. We give you permission to speak to us. We want to hear from you. We thank you that you're a God who is active and alive. We thank you that you draw people to yourself. God, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine that you would be Jehovah Jireh, you'd be their provider today. That you'd be the Prince of Peace. God, we know that you orchestrate all things in this world. You allow things to happen It hurts us that this is a broken world. It doesn't function the way that you want it to be. But may you draw people to yourself. May you cause leaders in the world to actually speak truth. And may you bring about peace in a way that you only can. We love and adore you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Well, here's a statement to start that we all will hate. I actually believe that God wants us to be in a place of uncomfortableness most of our life. It's a great start. Maybe I should just leave right now. That would be a good end for us. William Backus wrote a book that was entitled this, Telling Yourself the Truth. He said this, that some people would actually rather die than change or actually take a chance. It's not wisdom that causes a person to refuse risk. It's fear. Fear of of losing health, fear of losing security, fear of losing safety or familiarity or comfort or predictability or control. 
or this one, power. These threats are too great for us to risk. Does that describe your relationship with God? Would we rather die than change or take a chance? As our church, have we lost the desire to dream because of past hurts or unreconcilable differences? Or worse off, have we just become too comfortable? You see, healthy churches are always changing and growing and facing new challenges. That's godly living. If you don't believe me, this afternoon read the book of Acts and let's have a conversation then. How about you as an individual? Have you lost your desire to dream because you're just too comfortable? I know that I have at times. Today, some of us are being robbed of the life that God wants us to live and our dreams just because of certain comfort zones that we really don't want to leave. The truth is that you and I all have comfort zones. Most of us aren't even aware of all of our comfort zones, but over the years, we've programmed our life to do it a certain way. We've programmed our ministry to function in a certain way. These patterns actually hinder us from fulfilling what God's called us to fulfill. Just in case you don't believe me, let me ask you a few questions. If you're a man who shaved this morning, man, where was the first place on your face that you shaved? I bet you you've done it for many, many years. How many of us came to church the exact same time that we've come every year? If you're late, you always come late. How many of us came to church the exact same route? Are you sitting in the same place or near the same place that you've sat a week ago? In fact, if we had the time, I'd get us all to move and you could experience something different. The back people like Lauren could actually come sit right up here. One of the biggest barriers that holds us back from daring to dream again is our reluctance to get out of our comfort zones. See, many times, and I find this in my life many times, I'd rather face the pain of staying the same than risk the uncertainty of that period of change. But if we're walking with God, chances are He's leading us to change. Friends, God is leading us to dream again in our own life and in our church's life. We're going to look at two different biblical individuals who had to risk it all by stepping out of their comfort zones. Both of these individuals took a risk that they just wanted to see what God could do so that their dream could be fulfilled. We're going to look at Mary, mother of Jesus, and then Peter who tried to walk on water. When God calls us to do something great, whether it's an individual or a church, it usually involves the supernatural. It usually involves taking steps of faith, trusting God for the end result, even though we don't know the answers or how things are going to work out. Do you remember that verse that's found in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7? 
For we live by faith, not by sight. So we're going to look at three things. I'm going to let you know the three things right off the get-go. To actually follow Jesus, we have to face our fears. The, The second thing, to follow Jesus, we have to understand that God loves us. And then the third thing, to actually follow Jesus, you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. Well, let's jump into that first one. To actually follow Jesus, we must face our fears. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 14. If not, we're going to read a whole chunk of Scripture here just so that we can understand what's going on. So listen to God's Word. Throw yourself into the story. Where are you? Are you on the sidelines watching? Are you one of the characters that are actually in the story? Verse 22, it says this, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. It was buffeted. It was beat up by the waves because the wind was against it. Look at verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. Verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Great old Peter in verse 28, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. When he saw the wind, pay attention to that word, saw the wind. I don't know how many of us can actually see the wind. We can feel the wind. But if you're standing in the middle of a lake, I don't know how you go, man, I saw the wind. He was afraid. He began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Look at verse 26 again. The disciples are terrified. Remember, most of these guys are fishermen. What are are they actually afraid of? Maybe we need to ask ourselves, what are we afraid of this morning? They're crossing the lake. The wind's blowing. They looked up. They saw someone walking on the water. They were scared. See, very first thing we have to understand here is that Peter had to deal with his fear to actually get out of the boat. He was one of the guys scared. The boat was his comfort zone. The rough water maybe made him a little bit uncomfortable, but he had been in rough water before. He had just never seen anybody walk on water. When Peter stepped out of the boat, he stepped out of his comfort zone. I wonder what his first step actually looked like when he put his foot into the water. This is matology. Don't put it into your notes. His heart must have been pounding. He had to face his fear to actually step into the water. And Peter actually did pretty well for a few steps. He was actually walking on the water. Peter was walking toward Jesus. Peter was following Jesus. 
Then Peter took his eyes off Jesus. And his fear started to get the best of him. He noticed the wind, his faith gave way, and Peter began to sink. See, when faith gives way to fear, we always sink. To actually follow Jesus, we have to face our fears. Fears will keep us in a circle of what is predictable and comfortable. God's call on your life is always to action. God wants us to act in spite of our fear. Fear can steal your lips when we should speak. It can cause you to say no when you should say yes. So friends, what are you afraid of when you think of following Jesus? Someone said this, that the, to the owner, a comfort zone looks wonderful. But to the outside observer, the comfort zone may not look so great. You see, you and I get comfortable with things that ought not to feel comfortable. Jesus calls us out of such comfort zones. He calls us to face our fears. Maybe you're like me. Are you fearful of making mistakes and failing if you dream again? You cannot follow Jesus fully unless you're willing to make mistakes and move beyond them. Now, a quick review of the Gospels indicate that in Matthew, Peter is mentioned in 24 different verses. Guess what? Peter is doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing or in some other way missing the mark. In Mark, it is 11 out of 20 verses. In Luke, it's 7 out of 18 verses he's doing the wrong thing. In John, it's 10 out of 19 verses. Friends, here's a guy who the church was built on who seems to have about a 50% chance of doing the wrong thing in any given situation. Ultimately, Peter fails at walking on the water with Jesus' help. And what did Jesus say to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verse 8? I tell you, Peter, and you're the rock. I'm going to build my church and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. Well, what was it that Jesus saw in Peter? I believe that Jesus saw in Peter a man who could change, a man who could be shaped, a man who could grow. He saw in Peter a man who made mistakes but was willing to move beyond those mistakes. Later, Peter discovered that walking on water was not the greatest thing that Peter could do. See, Peter preached at Pentecost and thousands were saved. He truly became, as Jesus predicted, the rock. Any significant accomplishment in life not only brings pleasure but pain. If your dream is worthy of the title of a God-given dream, then there's going to be difficulty. Friends, it, it could involve learning a new language. Maybe it's going short-term missions trip. Maybe it's sharing Jesus in your office. Dreams come at the price of pain. But, is, but it is the pain of growth and maturity, not the pain of regret and the dream fading away. God's ultimate purpose for us is not our comfort. God's ultimate purpose for us is that we'd be transformed into people who are like Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 says this, Not that I've already obtained this, this is Paul speaking, or have already arrived at the goal, I press on, I take hold to which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, to have arrived. But one thing I do, I forget what's behind me. I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Friends, I pray that the struggles that we face as a congregation are struggles created because we launch out and do what we believe God is calling us to do. What are you not doing because you are spiritually afraid? Friends, do it anyways. Here's the second thing. To actually follow Jesus, we have to understand that God loves us. Looking at Mary's life and what God was calling her to do, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, the angel Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. The angel went to her and said this, Greetings, Mary, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Look at verse 29. That's our response. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this would be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive, give birth to a son. You're to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He'll reign. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Since I'm a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child. I love verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Too many of us look at the challenge that God is giving us to risk in a similar way. We think that God's going to leave us hanging. However, whenever God challenges us to step out of our comfort zone to follow Him, you can be encouraged that He does this only for your good. He wants to get you out of the self-made prison that you've made. Look back at the story of Mary. Did you notice a few things in verse 28 and 30? You are highly favored. God is with you. You have found favor with God. God is not challenging Mary to a dare. She may have to risk, but the one who is calling her to risk, to step out of her comfort zone, is deeply in love with Mary and has nothing but her best interests in mind. God knows this challenge will help Mary become the exact person that God wants her to be. When God challenges you to follow him, he is doing so because he loves you. Yep, it's going to involve risk. God is going to use you, and and in that using, you'll become who God wants you to be. The dream that God had given to Mary had everything to do with her playing a part in the great divine drama. God has a master plan for his people. It involves sending Jesus to be the Savior of the world. God now calls you to be agents of restoration to a world that desperately needs it. What dream, friends, have you been neglecting? Because you need to understand that God loves you and this is for your benefit and not for your harm. 
Well, let's slowly bring this to a close. To actually follow Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If you were to do a study in the New Testament, especially in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you'd see is guys that climbed trees because they knew if they saw Jesus, they would be changed. You would see a group of four guys bringing a paralyzed man to a house that was so full that they couldn't see Jesus, so they climbed on the roof and broke through the roof because they knew if their friend saw Jesus, his life would be changed. The woman who reached out for Jesus' cloak looked at Jesus and said, if I just get a piece of Jesus, my life will be changed. To truly fix our eyes on Jesus means that we're going to have to learn what that means. Peter asked Jesus to let him walk on the water. It's really easy for us to picture this story taking place. I see Jesus standing on the water. Peter is is focused on Jesus as he begins to walk toward him. As long as Peter keeps his eyes on Jesus, as long as he looks to Jesus for his strength, he walks successfully. He sinks when he starts to get worried about the wind. And in verse 30 of Matthew 14, we see Peter crying out, Lord, save me. See, Peter took his eyes off Jesus. He looked at the results of the wind. When the storms are around us, it's easy to focus on everything else. You see, when you face storms, the greatest temptation is that you're looking at the storm and your fears grow and you take your eyes off Jesus. Maybe this story will help us understand this even more. In Mark chapter 10, verse 17, We read a story where it says, as Jesus started on his way, a a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, don't defraud, honor your mother and father. Verse 20, teacher, I've kept all these since I was a young boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. Verse 22, at this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Friends, if I was Jesus, guess what I would have done? I know it's going to be 100% that I need from you, but let's just start at 10%. And then after you get comfortable with that 10%, let's move it to 20%. And after we get comfortable with 20%, let's talk 30% and 40%. And you know what? This is a 10-year plan. Don't worry about it. We'll get you there. Jesus didn't chase after that guy. One of the greatest lessons from the rich young ruler is, I would have chased after that guy and soft-sold the message. Jesus went, Not this is it. (laughs) This man's comfort zone, his eyes were focused on his wealth. Friends, what's your comfort zone? What's your security blanket? 
I think Jesus looked at this young man and said, to move out of your comfort zone, to actually follow me and have the kind of life you want, you need to let go of your possessions because your possessions will always hold you back. Follow me, keep your eyes on me. But this man couldn't focus his life on Jesus. It was way too much. He went away sad. Think about Zacchaeus, the wee little man. He was a small man. He was a tax collector, a dishonest one. But he wanted to see Jesus so bad that he ran ahead to actually climb the tree. Are you climbing a tree to see Jesus or are you walking away sad? God wants you to move out of your comfort zones to follow him. It's not that he enjoys seeing you uncomfortable. He just knows that people moved out of their comfort zones are able to grow. Streams die in our comfort zones. The only way to stay alive is to keep growing, period. You have to keep dreaming. John Ortberg said this in a book that he wrote, if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. Hearing the story of Peter getting out of the boat and his public faith failure took me back to one of my less glorious moments. The good intent and the public agony. But at this time I heard something new. Did Peter really fail? Or were the 11 who remained in the boat the bigger failure? Yes, it was a storm. Yes, it defied the laws of nature. But Peter actually stepped out of the boat. He risked. When he fell, God picked him up. Jesus is looking for followers who are willing to get out of the boat. Our world is stormy. Changes are risky. It's comfortable to stay in the boat. In the boat, we can protect ourselves from public failure or from exposing old wounds to new hurts. But our world, friends, needs us to get out of the boat. See, Mary moved out of her comfort zone and had the privilege of being the mother of Jesus. Peter stepped out of the boat and did not walk on, and did walk on the water for a short period of time, but he did walk with Jesus. And Jesus said the church would be built on him. We know this next verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and future. We end there usually. But you'll call on me. You'll come and pray to me, and I'm going to listen to you. You will seek me, and you'll actually find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will take you from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you. I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Friends, you have a choice today. You can stay in the boat with your life jacket on because you don't trust God's plans for you. You can have one leg in the boat and one leg outside the boat because you sort of trust God's plans for you. Or the third, you can step out of the boat into unknown territory because you trust in God's plans for you. So what are you going to do? We need to be challenged to walk on water spiritually. We need to be challenged to live above the storms of life. We need to be challenged to walk on the water with Jesus in the times that we live. Friends, that's our testimony to the world. 
How do you think that Peter got back into the boat after Jesus lifted him out of the waves? Did Jesus piggyback Peter? I don't think so. I believe Peter got back up and walked on water again. David said this in Psalm 94, verse 18. When I said my foot slipped, thy loving kindness, O Jehovah, held me up. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to share with my friends. God, if you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. Lord, if I said anything that wasn't of you, you need to take it from my friends' minds again. Lord, thank you for this real story that's really simple. It's easy for us to understand. It's easy for us to see. May that be the mark of us as individuals at daybreak, but may that be the mark of us as a church. That we're people who don't function in the boat. Lord, we love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.